Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on a very special episode of The Drive, Las Vegas edition. I have the one, the only, the oh-so-famous wow. Mr. Tim Scatless with me. Tim, what's up, man? What's hey, going Dylan? on, Jason? We're going to do this? Let's go for a ride. Let's go for a it's ride. Vegas, baby. <laughs> All right, let's do this. <laughs> hey, Tim, uh, I always like to start off my podcast with a little origin story because okay. I'm always super curious to find out how people got started in this crazy world we call the automotive industry. So what is the origin story of Tim? So yeah, it's, a, it's a funny story. No one goes to school to say, I want to be in the car business. No, at usually. Least where I came from. Uh, I went to Springfield College in Springfield, Mass. I majored in sports management. Okay. I actually worked for the New York Knicks right out of college. That's cool. I had my dream job. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't even out of college. Um, but decided I wanted to make some money, so I got, uh, I filled out an online ad for a, a job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Okay. I literally was that guy in the remarketing department uh, selling high mileage rental cars on the Jersey Shore. Um, and then I got recruited to work for a, st at the time it was a startup called CarMax um, in 1997. <laughs> there were, uh, we had 16 stores and I don't know, less than 100 employees in the buying department and what an amazing journey it's been since then. Yeah, um, no kidding. You know, worked for companies like uh, the Penske Automotive Group. Oh, I've heard of those guys before, that little guys, right? Yeah, the little guys. Yeah, those little guys. <laughs> um, and now I work for Max Digital. It's a uh, software company based out of Chicago. Um, we recently got acquired by ACV Auctions. Yep. Fantastic stuff happening there. And um, I'm a dealer coach. I like to help car dealers, much like you do. Well, I got to ask you because I did the transition myself, right? I was I was dealer principal and then I, I left the, that side of the industry yeah. and I went to the dark side. Mm -hmm. All right. So I, I, this is for me. That's not even on our list. This is more for me. Um, how was that transition from going from like operations over to vendor? Um, you know, actually, in the beginning, I had to cut bait completely. Yeah. Because... Um, I went, I, I left Penske Automotive Group. I was a used car director at a big Toyota store in Memphis. The, um, and I went and sold search engine marketing. I was like, what the heck is that? <laughs> all I knew is I wasn't working until 11 o'clock at night and Saturdays and Sundays, um, learning all about Google. I did that for about a year and I got recruited uh, by uh, a Max Digital at the time. It was called First Look. Yeah. And um, they said, hey, we need you to come back. I happened to be a customer. They're like, we, we just need you to go in and you know help dealers use the product. Yeah. And I said, absolutely. I love what I love most, and I'm sure you're the same way. I love being in a car dealership. Oh, I love, man. love hanging out at the desk. Yeah. Just the smell of the popcorn <laughs> in the morning. Jaw jabbing and, uh... <laughs> with the guys, you know, talking about customers, putting deals together. But the, the hours didn't fit my family and the stuff I wanted to do on the side. I hear you. I went um, down so, a similar path. Yeah, the transition was pretty, pretty easy. Um, but I love it, man. I just, the, it's so rewarding to just get in there and, and help dealers succeed. Well, and, I, and I think it's fun because like, you know, it's like when I had my Mitsubishi dealership, it was like, that was my whole world. Yeah. You know, day. and now, you know, I get to continue to do what I love doing and helping dealerships. Mm -hmm. Um, but I get to 
talk and meet to everybody, and I, yeah. it, it is it is so cool. It's uh, but but I'm with you. I did something similar. It was more of a family thing. It was you know you know the ironic thing, and I bet you you're probably similar to me. I probably work we probably work more hours now than when we did in the dealership. But if you ask the family, they probably wouldn't say that. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I my guys know that they can call me seven days a week, yeah, twenty four seven. Um, I've got guys on the uh, on the East Coast and the West Coast. I, you know, I work coast to coast, and um, and I know their hours, and I know if, if they're calling me, they need help. Yeah, and that's what I'm doing. I'm there for them, because um, you know somebody needs to understand their side of the business, but be there to support them, and that's kind of the role I like to take on, probably much like yourself. Yeah. Well, uh, well, we got a few topics we're going to go over today. Okay. Uh, this first one's kind of fun because I'm curious to see where you kind of go with it because there's just so many things that kind of all encompassing with yeah. this. You know, we're talking about the customer buying center. Yeah. And you know, when 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 you first sent me over that topic, I was like, going, hmm, I want to know where Tim goes with this." Well, I mean, Jason, <laughs> you know, it, it, in today's environment, it's inventory is at a premium. Yeah, hundred percent. Both on the new and even on the used car side, and. You know, my background from CarMax, we were we were buying cars from customers since 1994. I was there in 97. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's one of the things that I've been preaching to my dealers ever since I got into this role with Max Digital. But it's it's so important now more than ever to be able to buy a car from a customer. Would you agree? 100%. But I don't feel like a lot of dealerships necessarily know how to do it. They want to buy a car from a customer as long as you buy a car from them. <laughs> and there's, you know, there's, if, you're, if you've never done it before, I would just say start with a, you know, put a, an ad on your website and say, hey, we buy cars and start to see what happens. Yeah. If you're out there and you're doing it now, you know, make, I would push yourself in this environment. Um, you know, the news is actually helping that side of the business, it's telling people their car is worth more than ever before. For sure. And they're wanting to go and see, okay, what's it worth? So head to your local dealer and... But I think when I think of like customer buying center, I mean, I, always, I, I give a little tough love to our industry and I'm sure you do too because we, we come from that place so we can do it, but we're not doing it disrespectfully. It's just like, look, creating a customer buying center is more than putting a splash page on your website. Absolutely. Do you know, you know what yeah. I mean? And, I, and I honestly, I hate to say it, but there's a lot of examples of dealers doing just that. That's where it right, stops. That's where it stops. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah and, and it, it pains me to, when I go sit at the tower at a dealership and a customer rolls up and like, hey, would you buy my car? And it's a 04 Gallant with 115K and it's <laughs> smoking. And the guy's like, yeah, we're not buying that. No. You've got to be there to support every car. Yes, and, yes. And, you know, whether it's something you can retail or just wholesale. I mean, look at it as a, uh, a you've got to be an asset manager today. Yes. On the on the used car desk. And that's one of the things. I that, love the fact you say that, by the way. I think, yeah. we, can we expand it a little bit okay. on the asset manager? Mm -hmm. uh, I got, I got roasted recently. Oh, really? Well, no, last year, about this time last year, I got roasted for a post that I put up there. And I said the most the most useless position in a car dealership today is the used car manager. Now, of course, now I don't think people read into the context <laughs> as far as they just read the title of the post and then ripped me a new one. But but it's not, I mean, the title of used car manager, it really needs to be more of a title that asset yeah. manager. Right. So let's go a little deeper into that. What do you mean by an yeah, asset so, manager? Like, you are, um, one of the things I learned at CarMax early on was you need to take the emotion out of it. Yeah. And when you look at a, a vehicle, a unit, as an asset, 
and not as that, oh my God, this is the nicest Buick LeSabre. You fall in love with it. Yeah, and like you become emotional and like you, you, you know, you're not gonna give it away and you, you do all these things and you, you know, it's no, this, it's, it's a widget. Yep. It's an asset and it's, um, some assets you make more money on, some assets you make less on. It's just numbers sit on a portfolio. It, right, <laughs> and I think when, in today's world especially, when you are a used car manager and you can you know, take the position from that perspective, you're much more successful. Think about the big companies that are out there. Oh, 100%. Dude. That's what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you gotta realize you're a, you're a landlord. That's the way Correct. I actually oh, like yeah. to describe it. You're a landlord, okay? Mm -hmm. You only have so many spaces right. on your lot. Now, see, you know, I, I come from Toronto. So space <laughs> is a big yeah. premium. Yeah. I mean, what, when a used car manager tells me he only has 117 spots, yeah. he knows within the footage, wow. he has 117 really? spots. Oh, yeah. he, there's no more, right. there's no, like, that's it. Yeah. So you really have to treat it as landlord. Each one of these tenants are costing you rent. Then, mm -hmm. you know, either you're gonna be turning them over for new tenants or you're keeping them. The longer they stay there, the more they're, the more they're gonna hey, cost them. You, I've said this a lot. The day you buy that car or truck, yeah. it's a melting block of ice. Yeah. And and the longer you hold on to it, the more water you create. 100%. Right? It's your job to turn that asset, turn that block of ice before it turns to water. Oh, and, yeah. And so... But, but do you think it's because we don't train that way? I mean, look, I... I, I meet a lot of used car managers. I'm in dealerships all the time. Yeah. You know, I couldn't tell you, I could probably count maybe two that I've talked to probably in the last year, all right, where their dealer principal has put them into some type of training program yeah. to better their to, to better their efforts. So uh, historically, the used car manager was trained came into the dealership as a, he was a wholesaler or he knew wholesalers, yeah. right? He was the only person in the dealership who could use the book, you know, or knew how to navigate the auction or just, you know, knew the nuances of the used car. And if you think about it, that's really not what it is. It's, it's a simple, you know, it's a movement of the asset in and out of the dealership in an effective manner. Now, I do think, and it's funny you bring this up, so I do think that there's a role for the traditional used car manager in today's dealership role. All right. Okay. There is an art to being able to handle a customer, right? Get a customer to sign on a dotted line. Yeah. Even in today's digital world. Um, but it's just as much of an art, that guy, to um, be able to get online and know, hey, you know, based on my run rate, based on my days to sale, based on my... Uh, my portfolio. Here's how many cars I can afford. Here's what I need. Here's where I need to go. Set up his searches online for the auctions, or you know what I can pay for this car. What I need to price this car for. Yeah. A lot of numbers. Well, so, I, 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 that's and this post that I got roasted for. That was the intent behind the post. Yeah. Is that this is too much for one individual to handle. Now I'm beginning to see this more and more often. I'm curious if you are too, where you are seeing a used car manager, which is more, I would say, internal for the operation from the desking side of it. And then you're seeing managers that are be hired to be, <laughs> to manage the buying center. Okay, so here's- Have you seen that? Yes. I believe that a successful used car department today should be running what we call an 
okay. his car department. All right. Two guys. Okay. And he does 80% of his job is, he's the traditional, what we know, used car manager. Yes. He desks the deals. He motivates the salesperson. He closes customers. He can price cars, right? He can run the recon. He yep. can buy cars at the auction real well. 20% of his job is doing the appraisals, um, running the online piece. Oh my God, the oh, online piece geez. at all, right? <laughs> the websites, the data feeds, all that stuff. The other guy does 80% of the online piece. You know, they switch that role and yep. he only desks. So one is, and it's 80, 20, 20, 80. Um, I really think there's actually a, a dealership group that I work with up in the upper Midwest and that's what they're striving for. And they've been super successful at that, Yeah, you know? Well, and I think that's what it is. I think, you know, anybody out there that's watching listening right now, if if you currently have a buying center or if you're or if you're going into the process where you're starting discussing, say, hey, hey, Tim and Jason, that sounds like a good idea. And uh, we need to turn that a good idea into an actual operational yeah. process is, is that you do got to take the time to understand the staff that's going to be required to actually execute on this right. because we don't want it to just be a splash page. Right. Easy, easy, say hard do. Exactly. This is not easy. Um, but that that one guy who is great with the customers get them in, get them settled, get the information, run that floor process to collect the data. Because listen, it, you can't, the days of just getting the customer's keys, you know, throwing a number at them and saying, hey, I'll buy it for you. No, you, I was watching one of your videos. Yeah. You, gotta, you gotta put on a show. Yeah. Right. People gotta, want an experience. There's a there's got to be a value to it, Absolutely. right? And there's a value in an experience. So if you're not creating an experience, I mean, look, we are literally in the capital of experience. This, this is the show here. I mean, we're in Las Vegas. I mean, right here on the strip. You, you can't throw a rock without hitting something that wants to right. charge you for an experience of some kind. Right. <laughs> and that's why I think the value of that traditional used car manager is yeah. he can create that experience. I agree. But I would actually call him an experience manager. Okay. Because yeah. that's actually what they'd be in charge of, yeah. right? Are they really in charge of the used cars? Are they really in charge of the experience the customers to go through when they come through the yeah. dealership? Which I think this is actually kind of then segues into kind of our next topic and how it just kind of builds on that sandwich that we're putting together right now yep. is, is, is how do you close more appraisals? And ultimately, whose responsibility is it? You know, I feel like the person that's in charge of the experience should they really be the ones charged with the appraisal? And then how do we turn that appraisal into an experience so, in itself? Yeah, like, I, there's this debate right now in the industry, um, at least in some circles, you know, is it about closing more appraisals or is it about just getting more customers in the door to, to look at their car? Mm, yeah. um, you know, because the inventory is at such a premium. You know, depending upon what part of the world you're in and what your, your dealership, I think either one could be important to you right now. But and you can maintain both. You could. But I think they're two different people. Yeah. You know, you can have those two different operational goals. Yeah. You've got to get the customer involved. You know, if the customer shows up and wants to sell you their car, man, you've got to put on a show. <laughs> you've got to put on right? a show. The, the days of uh, the old dog going out there and touching the tires and opening up the door and having sitting in the car with the customer, even having a conversation about the car, having the customer... There's a ton of value, and that will close you a lot of car car deals. And then there's the customer. Hey, I'm online. I just I just ran my personal car through nine online sites. Okay. The other day, within 30 minutes, I got nine different offers. Okay. To buy my car. Now that's like a whole different. That's that's a animal. whole that's a whole other animal. Right. You know, so does that close the appraisal? Maybe it does. I think you got to be able to well, I, be. I, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, right? Because look, I find too often, when, you know, in our industry, the answer to everything is a widget. It's just another widget, right? 
Um, but it's the operation process. It's like, okay, cool. I got I got nine nine prices. Mm-hmm. That was easy. But then when do I go into the dealership? Yes. Is it still easy? Right. Or does it flip back over to this traditional model? Does the online experience match the in-store experience? Exactly. And man, you know as well as I do, <laughs> nine times out of ten, no way. It right? It's like what the customer did online, it's like they forgot. You know, I, I it and that frustrates well, me. Well, no, and I think for anybody out there that's watching listening and they want to close more appraisals, mm-hmm. all right, is that that, that, that's the mindset you have to go into it, right? Yeah. You know, you can't have the used car manager that's, that's their mindset is, well, this customer wants to sell me their car. Right. And I don't really want to buy hey, it. I don't want that. You know? Don't, who needs another high mileage? Exactly. Versus the mindset is, is that oh. I want to buy Absolutely. your vehicle. I want to create an experience uh, yeah. that's easy and hassle-free so that you want right. to sell it to me. Yeah. And, and listen, if you're, considering putting together a, a customer buying center, buying cars from customers you want to close on, mm-hmm. running the customer through these this experience, you'll be able to get the car for less. <laughs> because, I mean, isn't that funny? But you know how many people <laughs> don't think that's the case, right? Oh. You know, it's like, they don't think that, yeah. you know, being transparent yeah. equates to higher gross profit. Yeah. But every, every large group out there, every company that has um, embraced transparency, all right, is actually making more money. Spot on. <laughs> yeah. So, it, um, you know, depending upon what part of the, you know, dealership sphere you are, are operating in, um, I could argue that you need to be looking at as many customer cars as you can. Trades, service, yeah. uh, we buys from customers. You know, but if, if you are in the, um, you know, you want to, there's a ton of opportunity for growth still in this world. You know, make sure you're working on your experience. Truth and transparency, evidence-based selling. Yeah. All those things that we've been doing it forever as a car dealer, we, we've got to continue to work on those. But you can use technology. But, but this time it's a little different though because what we're doing, see in the past, it was, we're doing it for us. Right. And now we want the customer to sell us their car. So now we have to create a process that's more for them, mm-hmm. less about less about us. And I, I find that's where a lot of dealerships really truly start to struggle. Yeah, you know, it's, um. For some reason, when, even when today's digital world, I, I feel like when we get the customer mm-hmm. in the dealership, it's like everything changes and it really be, be we become yeah, we very selfish. <laughs> exactly, right? And um, man, it's, it's all about me, me, me. Yeah. Um, so that's a great place. Like how, you know, I, I think people out there watching, listening, it's agreeing, okay guys, I, I need to create this, I need to create this experience. Mm-hmm. All right, what would be some first steps? that you would recommend to creating, you know, this buying center experience that generates, you know, the ability for me to close more appraisals. So first of all, I really, well, let me just put this out there. If you want to really succeed at this, you've got to create a culture in the store Mm. that says we want to buy customers' cars. And and it's got to start with the guy who's putting the numbers on the cars and and talking to the customers and let your salespeople know that it's okay to talk to this customer who's just selling you their car. Yeah. Okay? So culture is going to be the most, the number one key. Mm-hmm. Two, make sure you have an outlet to for all sorts of vehicles. Because you're yes. going to need to buy that 04 Galant with 115K that smokes. Or okay? whatever it is. Or whatever it is. It's okay. Yeah. And and be ready to take in a lot of cars that you can retail. I'm a big retail first guy. And then, 
you're going to need a process. Yes. And I don't, there's a ton of processes and products out there that put you on rails to, to give the customer a number, stand behind the number, um, KBB, um, it's a got a product. This is uh, look. I was on, but these are great tools. Right, tools. But the tool is supposed to support the process. Yeah, just a process that, that puts everybody on rails, stays between the gets your people stay between the lines, and it's consistent. Yeah. So that when the customer has a great experience, they're going to go tell a friend, and they have the same experience. And you'll start to close more trades in and make more gross. So I really think that there's there's three pro, three things that you really got to make sure you do to be successful. Yeah. I think that's a great way to start, you know, and then, I mean, especially right now, right? I mean, let's start, like, how the importance of this right now, which is kind of a great segue into our next topic, right? You know, used car pricing, you know, in stressful times. Uh, again, this is kind of, everything's kind of supporting it, our conversation here, but, like, how, how do we go about that? It's so, <laughs> you know, I, I I had a conversation with some some buddies online uh, over the last 30 days, and I really feel like um, it's as much of a challenge to price inventory today oh, than ever before. Yeah. And like, because if you're a used car manager, you're an asset manager, let's call them an asset manager, yeah. and you've acquired this asset, I mean, if you look at what used car prices have done since the beginning of the year, it's hard to say that you should be aggressive with your with your price out the gate, oh, right? 100%. The, the days of, uh, you know, Velocity um, are really in the rearview mirror. I haven't heard that term a lot lately. No, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, you're right. It's that's really kind of dynamic. You know, and if and if if you've been at the desk over the last six, eight, twelve months, you've heard things from use from managers. Listen, to telling the sales, I don't need to sell that car today <laughs> for that price. Tell your customer, no thanks. And. I, I hate that. I mean, it just, just, oh my, it makes my blood boil when I hear that crap. Yeah, I just, it, we're, we're experiencing a, this phenomenon I, I would like to refer to as demand destruction. We've, yeah. we've literally created this, this, this high prices for so long that customers are like, you know what, forget it. I don't need to buy that car now. Yeah. And that couldn't be further from the truth. If you got a, you said you had a Mitsubishi dealership. Yep. Could you only keep 12 cars on the lot, on new cars and, and 25 used cars and have and hold out for the biggest price? You need to be no. turning that stuff. You gotta turn it, man. You have to turn it. Right, so I challenge, I'm challenging a lot of the guys I'm working with now to c turn through the inventory. Consider pricing. Don't create those bad habits. Don't create. Right? <laughs> Because <laughs> that's what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen when this all kind of starts to normalize out again. Right. You know, when the chip shortage starts to normalize out and things start to kind of come. Like, all these bad habits are going to be embedded, right. you know, in the dealerships. I, I, so, dare I say, you know, have a little bit of a mindset of velocity. You know, you don't, it's hard to get people these days. You know, those yeah. guys who are working in the shop for you, I mean, they're, work, they're working hard. <laughs> we need to feed them. Yeah. Your salespeople, you need to feed them too. And the, and, the, and the folks in the accounting office and, and, and all over the dealership. So, you know, it's easy to sit there and go, I'm not gonna drop price, I'm gonna hold the gross, um, I'm gonna wait for somebody to pay all the moon. I, I, I wonder if we're at a time now where <laughs> it's time to consider a little velocity. Well, it's a mindset thing. And I mean, look, you gotta understand, you know, 
I've fallen into this category, and everybody has, right? It's it's a path of least resistance. Yeah. Right. If I can make, if I can lower my expenses and continue to make this gross and net this much more than I have, I mean, I gotta be honest with you, this this last year, I mean, most of all my dealer principal right. friends have made more money they've ever oh. had, mm-hmm. you know, and and good for them. It, it it's good for them. But I just operationally see all these bad habits being yeah. created because of it. Right. I've seen advertising budgets slashed to zero. Oh, right? trust me, you know? I feel on that one. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. And that's unfortunate because this is the, a great time to build your brand. Yes. Build that customer buying center we were just talking about. Yeah. Do things that you might not normally do to stay ahead of the curve. So, be, to, so now you're ready when it comes back to a more normal time to, to, to be different. Yeah, and, and and be prosperous, man. I, I, it it'll be strange because it was not too long ago we were talking about compression on the new car side, you know, <laughs> no. price. And, and now it's funny. It's like I got some dealers right now that are <laughs> that are charging fifteen k above MSRP for trucks yeah. because they can, and I'm just like, wow, yeah. that customer will never buy from you again. Will never have a positive yeah. thing to say about you. It's, <laughs> it's a slippery slope. It's right? a slippery slope. I mean, how, but let me ask you, how would you handle it? If, if you're in for the long game, you realize this is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Too often in our industry, we build all of our KPIs and our goals and objectives around what? Sprints. Right. Mid-month. Right. Third, third, way, third, third of the month, yeah. end of the month. Quick like we build, yeah, yeah, quick. Yeah, we do all this stupid stuff, right? Yeah. Um, it's like, no, I'm playing for the long game. Yeah. All right? I would, you know, I actually would have actually enjoy the fact that the dealerships around me are charging more because I wouldn't yeah. because it's the, that's literally, I'm like, I would thank you for the acquisition, the acquisition strategy. You literally made my life easier. Right. And explain to them that, that, that look, I don't, I'm not here to make more money. Can I make more money right now? A hundred percent I can. Right. But I, I'm here for when all this is done or and for the next three, four, five cars you need, that's what I'm interested yeah, in. Yeah. It, it's a great time to work on your transparency. Yeah. Listen, I, I've, which, which feeds the culture you were talking about earlier. Yep. Which feeds into the experience, mm-hmm. right? And listen, if you want to charge over MSRP, I think, listen, it it, it probably it's warranted. I you know there's, you know there's these guys selling Kia Telluride's and these Hyundai Palisades are bringing big money. Yeah. Um, but I I think you got to be consistent. Well, um, I don't know. It, maybe because I like like and a good operator knows that you sell cars to service them. Oh, absolutely. So it's like, yeah. am I really going to get, you know, I yeah. charge nine grand over MSRP for that Telluride. Yeah. Am I really going to get the service business back out of yeah. that? You know, like, I'm like, right. okay, I'm making a quick buck now, but I don't know. Look, I, I, the guy who paid nine grand probably drove four or 500 miles to pay that because he couldn't get <laughs> one by himself. Whereas local dealer, so he's not going to come back for service. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really hope that, um, so it comes back to the used car department. I've yep. always thought that it's the heartbeat of the of the dealership. For sure. You know, it touches every department. You know, finance, the shop, obviously the sales side. Yeah. Um, and and there's there's a used car born every day, every minute. <laughs> there's a you know used car being coming into this world, and it, it, when we can help dealers acquire more, better prices, better experience. Yeah sell more it just it cre- my, my father was a small business owner yeah and um, he, he struggled in the uh, in the 80s he was in the diamond district and and these guys who own dealerships they these these mom and pop shops yeah 
I, I, I want them to succeed. I want them to, to be around when this is... Well, dur during stressful times like this, yeah. all right, it actually, like, there's an opportunity here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every conference we've gone to for the last, I don't know, eight or 10 years is yeah. talking about the importance of a brand, right? You gotta identify your brand outside of your own. Yeah. You gotta create a brand and you gotta create a culture. Well, I mean, literally you have an opportunity right now, right, to do that in such a fast way. Typically building brands and culture yeah. take a good chunk of time, right? Totally. But because it is stressful times, all right, you could, you could be a human and be empathetic yes. and immediately start creating a brand around, you know, you empathize with people. It is a stressful yeah. time, all right? So look, the, the people are getting hit with stress all over the place. So what can I do in this, this transaction or the purchasing of their vehicle or the selling of them a vehicle that I can just make it less stressful? Totally. Like, yeah, I just, you will only benefit in the long run, in my opinion. Um, there's gonna be plenty of cars to sell in our yeah. lifetime. I guess. As long as this podcast <laughs> lasts on the internet, people are gonna be buying and selling cars. 100%, you know? 100%. Uh, I think you, you're gonna to wanna to be around to be part of it. Well, this kind of good segue to, to this last topic that we have around kind of the instant appraisal. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I gotta be honest with you, I love the, I love the instant appraisal, and I, I, I'm assuming you're talking about kind of the online yeah, the so widgets I, and stuff yeah, like it, that, but widgets scare me. Um, you know, like digital retailing, it's like, you know, we, we, we put them on there and really what the dealerships end up asking for was, well, how many leads did I get off it? Tim, how many leads did I get off it? It's like, that wasn't the point. Right, <laughs> are, they, are they leads? I don't know. I know. I, I'm sure you've had that conversation in this car or oh another car. Oh gosh, man. I, yeah. I, it, they're opportunities to have conversations, right? Yeah. But look, a tool is only as good as how well we use the tool. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm at a crossroads with this instant appraisal thing. It's why I wanted to bring it up and get your opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's easy. I told you, I got nine offers on my car in under 30 minutes, and they were $3,500 apart. It was crazy. Okay. And, and how did that make you feel as a consumer? Um, well, I was confident that I could get something for my car. Yeah. You know? Um, I, I wasn't sure that I was going to get exactly that. Yeah. But um, was your confidence built in it, or did you walk away just more confused because there was such a wide gap yeah. between them all? Um, I could see where you would be a little confused because there's such a wide gap, and there's such yeah. a difference in the way they're handled. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the big boys play kind of all the same, but there's some other ones that are out there that are a little bit different they gave me more money um but it's like i had to send pictures and now i gotta go take it to them yeah i, I don't know i don't know where we're at with it and that's why i wanted to bring it up it it, it well it has to be a value proposition okay so it's, it's 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 that's the issue see it's not enough that um i literally think a bird just pooped on me well that's good luck and is that how that works places. okay like in Italy, I think it's a good luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's gonna, gonna be the best part of the well, podcast, we're in by the way. We're, <laughs> we're not in I think Italy. a bird just pooped on me. <laughs> Where was I going with this? Oh, uh, look, perceived value. All right. Right. Like, like dealers see the perceived value in these widgets because it generates leads, traffic. But, but we don't. We do a horrible job of uh, describing the operational value or the perceived value yeah. around why a customer should use it and ultimately choose us. Yeah. I, you know, I, there's, 
I hear a lot of belly aching from the dealers that the sight unseen appraisal is the biggest challenge today. Sure. Like that guy who's a couple, an hour or two away, wants to get a number on his car before he drives in to pay over MSRP yeah. for your car. You know, I want to make sure you, how can I trust you? Yeah. And, um, you know, what I what I hear you saying, and this is where I, I actually come out on it, is you've got to create that culture in the store that builds trust with the customer and transparency. Yeah. Hey, here's here's the number. Just so you know, here's how we got there. And I'm willing to stand by it. If this, this, and this goes comes together, we're sure. good to go. And I'm going to sell you my car for this. It's, but we don't do, but, but that, see that comes from a top down, right? Like to, to actually be able to execute on that and have that culture and create, that's so cool. Um, <laughs> and, and to create that perceived value, like it just doesn't happen overnight. Like no. it, it, it's a direction that comes from the top, but it affects all, oper all, all yeah. operations. If you're going to make a commitment to appraising vehicles and going that direction, understand that that, that little widget, it's just a piece of technology that's gonna allow you to execute right. the operational goals yeah. that you put behind. Yeah. And listen, you're gonna screw up, right? You're gonna overpay. There you go. Customers are gonna lie. Um, yes. Or try and deceive you. And that, it's funny. When, when customers deceive dealers, I always chuckle. Yes, like, well, I know, right? You know why they do that, right? You know where they, you know where they got that from? <laughs> from dealers. It's funny. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but so you build in a little bit of room to have that happen. I think in the long run, you know, you're going to win. Yeah. Um, if you play fair. But I mean, I, to play fair is, is one thing, right? And and and, and that goes a long ways as far as the, as the culture element goes. Uh, but you, I think you nailed it on the head when you said that you have to be prepared to fail. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you're going to you know cover everything we've talked about, or you're going to create a buying center, if you're going to be closing more appraisals, if if, if you're going to you know uh, create a better used car pricing process in the stressful times, and you're going to embrace instant appraisals, at the core of it, you're going to try, and you're going to mess it up. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, easy say, hard do. Yeah. Um, be prepared to screw up, but learn from it. Yes. And I think that's the mindset. That's where I'm trying to go. I'm thinking like anybody out there watching and listening to this and they're nodding their head. They're agreeing with us. Yeah, Tim, Jason, I, I get you guys. I'm with this. But it's like, how do you start? What's that first step? I think the very first step is you get into, your, get, get into a mindset that it's not going to work. It's not going to yeah. work the first time you do it. It's not going to work the 10th or 12th time maybe you do it. All right. I, I, I challenge you to, to go until you break it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, expect a little bit of a struggle. Um, and I, I guess where I, where I started with all this is because it's been such a phenomenal year. Yeah. You know, it's a chance to try something new. Man, if there's ever a time to try and screw up. It's the time to do it's it. It's the time to do it. And I, you know. Um, but, but it's true, though. Like, I mean, this yeah. is, you know, like, like no one ever stepped up to the plate and knocked, knocked the ball out of the park no. the first time. All right? It just doesn't yeah. happen. Right, batting, you know. batting three hundred gets you into the Hall of Fame. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> in our car, in car business, yeah. it's the same. Yeah, it's right. Car business. So. 
Man, this was a great ride. This, this, was, car, this was a lot of fun, I've man. never been in one of these cars. I haven't either. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, the Google's pretty <laughs> sweet up there. Well, hey, Tim, for everybody out there that's watching, listening, and have really enjoyed our conversation and would like to connect with you and maybe continue the conversation, what's the best way to connect well, with you? I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me. I have a, I have a Facebook group, uh, Live from the Backlot. I, I provide, like, content just for dealers, you know, used car managers, GMs, decision makers inside the group, uh, the stores. Um, hit me up, Tim at Max Digital. Um, I'll give you my phone number, 910-338-7903. We'll be here in Vegas all week. Thanks a lot, awesome, Jason. Man. This was so that much was fun. That was so much fun. That was really, really cool. You have yourself a good one, man.